your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm Mike Lindsley. You can get me on Twitter at MikeLSports, and be sure to follow our program, the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, all over the major platforms, including Twitter at BuiltInBuffalo underscore. Let's waste no time talking Buffalo Bills football with the terrific CBS color analyst covering the National Football League. It's Charles Davis, the uh, wonderful color man uh, who's a sidekick to uh, Ian Eagle. Those two guys really had a, a ton of games uh, for, for, for the Bills last year. And uh, we're going to get into Josh Allen, the offseason, um, you know, the expectations, Von Miller, and a little bit about how Charles got into broadcasting and his playing days at Tennessee as well. It is NFL on CBS color analyst, Charles Davis. Hey, Charles. Well, Mike, thanks a lot for having me on. Let's start with, you know, this Buffalo Bills team here. Last year, you and I had had a lot of games in Orchard Park, uh, and and I believe a couple on the road. Um, as you were going through the season, what did you sort of see that made you really encouraged that they're a Super Bowl contender, not just from last year, but as we've moved up into 2022, the expectations have obviously even gone higher because of what they've yeah. done in the offseason. We'll get to that in a minute. But w- what did you see then and, and just being around the team and all that, that, that this isn't just a, a one- or two-year thing, that they're here to stay for a while? Yeah, I'm probably, I would say, like multiple things. Let's, let's start with the front office, with Brandon Bean as the general manager. I feel, and I don't think I'm you know really off-base or it requires great thought, he and Sean McDermott, the head coach, look like they have incredible chemistry in terms of putting together a team. You and I both know, and anyone who knows the league knows that there's times behind closed doors it might feel it might resemble a cage match when they talk about who should be on the team and who shouldn't. But they respect each other. They have an eye that's similar. They know what it takes to put together a team, and they know what they're trying. They they know their team what they want their team to look like on the field. So when they work together in lockstep. That creates a great atmosphere because you don't have a coach telling his team, well, I'd like to do it this way, but a general manager he wants to do it that way. You know, you don't have any of that. They are in sync. They're ready to go. That's the first thing. Second thing is they keep looking at where their challenges are every year and keep working to improve them. A couple of years ago, they're worried about their pass rush. They went out and drafted two pass rushers last year, continued to work on that part of the game. The defense ended up being the number one defense overall in the league by the time it was said and done. They kept wanting to develop the quarterback. Well, Josh Allen continues to develop. Plenty of hard work on his part, but plenty also on the offensive side. Before it was Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, and Ken Dorsey, the quarterback's coach. Ken Dorsey still remains. Josh Allen remains in place, and they wanted to build around him. Add offensive linemen. They're doing that in this offseason. Uh, wide receivers, they went out and got Stephon Diggs. They drafted Gabriel Davis, who came into his own in the playoffs. I could go on for a while, but they just feel like a team that won't stand pat. They're, they're a team that's willing to evolve, and they're a team that is very honest with itself about what they need, where they think they need to get, and the things that they need to do to get that done. So I'm extremely impressed with the organization as a whole, the coaching staff, obviously, and then, of course, the product on the field. So it wasn't that long ago when many people around the NFL were asking this question, how much better can Patrick Mahomes really get? 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, multiple Super Bowls, 1-1, 
MVP, Super Bowl MVP. And now we are at this point with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Are 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 we is it that already with Allen? Charles, do you do you think we're asking we should be asking that question of how much better can Allen get? I know he doesn't have the trophy case that Mahomes has, but right. is is that question is there merit to it? There's definitely merit to it, Mike. Absolutely. Look, he has progressed at a rate that when you go back to him coming out of college and the evaluations, and you heard him saw them probably had your own on him. I would venture to say that the vast majority, 99% of them, talked about his athleticism, talked about his huge arm, you know, his, his what he looked like in the pocket. He looked like a quarterback. But they also talked about his accuracy, and that was the big ding on it. Could he be accurate enough as a quarterback to make the throws necessary to keep the offense moving? Well, going into his third season, not the 2022 season, the 2021 season, when through that season, when it was all said and done, he had improved his completion percentage rate 16 percentage points in three seasons. That's unheard of in the NFL. All right. Quarterbacks come out of college. They essentially are about as accurate in the NFL as they were in college, give or take a few points, not 16 percentage points. That just doesn't happen. So we saw that ascension. I, we all knew he was a good athlete coming out of Wyoming. Did we know he was going to be this good of a runner? I would venture to say most people would be lying to you if they thought, oh, yeah, I, absolutely, he'll be one of the best runners in the world. I don't think people saw that. People saw the potential to be a very good runner, but focal point of your offense, <laughs> well, we're seeing that with him. I think for all of us, what we're going to have to temper a little bit is as we watch him get better at his craft of playing quarterback, will we be willing to say he's a better quarterback if certain numbers decline? Meaning if his run numbers decline, because I think that would be something Buffalo would love to have happen. Take some of the weight off of him with a true running game and not make Josh Allen their, their key ball carrier on third and three. They would love to be able to do that. And if those numbers can decline, he will be a better quarterback. Now, will people still acknowledge it if he doesn't have the same numbers on the ground, the same numbers rushing touchdowns and all that. But I think we'll see him be a better quarterback where he can just throw the football work in and out of the pocket, scramble when he needs to, occasionally have a quarterback run game, but not be a guy where we may get 10 quarterback runs in, you know, per game. I think they'd love to get that out of his off of his plate, and I do think that he'll be a better quarterback despite those numbers declining. How about this offseason the Bills have had, huh? Is it good enough for you? <laughs> I mean, it just, it just keeps getting better for them, right? Yeah. I mean, they have a mission, and they have had two opportunities where they believe they were good enough to be in the Super Bowl and haven't capitalized on them yet. We've seen teams get in, get stuck in that possibility, you know, stuck in that spot where they've, they've tried, they've tried. Look, they got there four straight times in the 90s. It didn't win any of them. I think people are finally coming around to understand just how difficult it was to get there four times and, and stop with the jokes because they didn't win one. That was a phenomenal accomplishment. This team doesn't want to be that team. They want to get one for themselves, but they still have to get there. And they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step? And they keep taking the proper steps to give themselves the best chance to make it. Do you see Von Miller kind of, uh, you know, moving around a little bit up front, you know, being used on both bookend, you know, end spots, maybe a little bit yeah. um, in, in that in that way uh, to, to try and generate that big pressure? And, and by the way, what a, what a signing this was for the Bills kind of, uh, you know, because of the money, I think a lot of people were surprised at it. Yeah, I think we all were surprised. The money, look, 
a lot of signs pointed to him re-signing with the Rams. Yeah. You know, he had found a home there. He really hated leaving Denver. He loved being in Denver. And I think that when it's all said and done, he'll sign that one-day contract and, and t- retire as a Denver Bronco. But I didn't expect him to go back to Denver. I actually thought that the way Ram, the, how creative the Rams are with their salary cap and how they do things with players, mm-hmm. that he having won a second Super Bowl might even give him a little bit of a discount just to come back to that. But here's the money. Here's a team that he can help take to possibly a third different team to a Super Bowl title. I think that was alluring to him. Plus playing for a defensive-minded head coach like Sean McDermott, a extremely respected defense coordinator, Leslie Frazier, who, who did it on the field as a great player with the Chicago Bears. People probably forgot that. He ended up losing his career on a reverse, on a punt return in a Super Bowl. They were winning by about 30 points, which is, you know, one of the weird things to go out. He's a tremendous player, and he's an even better coach. So I think for Von Miller, a lot of it was, hey, this is a great way to challenge a new locker room, a terrific quarterback, has everything you're looking for. Can I get a third ring with a third team doing it that way? And I think you're right. He will move around. You know, that's what you do with these guys. You create the best matchups. He moved around more and more as his career went on with, uh, with Denver. He did it with Los Angeles. Buffalo will do the same thing for him. The Bills clearly right now, despite all the movement, despite all the additions, uh, the wizardry of Brandon Bean, they do have a major hole on the roster, and that is cornerback. Uh, yeah. As you know, Trey White is going to be out until you know October, November-ish from the ACL. Uh, Levi Wallace signs in Pittsburgh. They don't have a lot there. They're pretty thin. Do you see a scenario in the NFL draft? where Brandon Bean says, okay, look, I've done all of this work. We're this close. We need to go up in, at any cost. Uh, trade partner maybe with the Giants. They have you know, the J- Joe Shane there with Brian Dable. Let's trade up. Let's go way up and get a guy like Sauce Gardner. Let's go out and get the cornerback who we think on a rookie contract could be a formidable you know, number one until Trey comes back, number two, plug him in right away, and, and, that, and that's our final stopgap. Absolutely, because that's a spot now where that division has gotten even tougher in terms of what you're doing. Because we all talk about getting to the playoffs. In the NFL, how do you get to the playoffs the fastest, Mike? You win your division. That's right. Right? That, that guarantees you in the playoffs, okay? So you build teams to win your division. Now, when you are as good as Buffalo is and you expect to be in the playoffs, barring catastrophic injuries and really weird things happening, not only do you build your team to win your division, but you build your team to deal with your biggest rivals. Well, Kansas City's still going to be formidable, right? <laughs> the Kansas City track squad's still out there. The Chargers missed the playoffs last year by a game. Look at what they have out there sprinting around between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and you know they keep trying to get better out there. Then you go over now to Denver. I mean, to Denver, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, right? KJ Hamler trying to get him back and healthy. So. They are, ro- you know, everybody's rolling out there. Didn't even mention the Raiders. Just got Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. okay, to go along with Hunter Renfro. So what you're dealing with across the board, the NFC, the AFC West may be the, the stumbling block to keep you from a Super Bowl, not just winning your own division. So, yeah, you're exactly right. To me, if you're going to make that move and go up and get one of those corners, I'm only coming up for two guys to come up that high, and it's either Mod Gardner or Derek Stingley. Yeah, no doubt. Charles Davis. I'm not Davis. saying that, 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 that you, know, you know, Andrew Booth can't play. He sure. can. I'm not saying, you know, uh, Trent McDuffie can't, can't play. He can. 
But I'm, you're talking about when you said go up and deal with the giant, you talk about rarefied territory. If you're going up that high, I'm going up that high for one of those two. Otherwise, if I'm going to come up a little bit, can I come up three or four spots? Can I come up eight spots and get involved with a McDuffie, get involved with a booth? Or can I sit there where I am and do I think Kyler Gordon is the guy I'm looking for? You know, a very good zone coverage kit. I don't know exactly how Brandon Bean and his staff will have graded all these guys, but in my estimation, you can sit and wait, and there will be a couple of corners available to you that you would like. I think you would like Kyler Gordon at Washington. I think that Kyrie or Elam at Florida would be someone that would be in play at the time that you pick. Could Andrew Booth fall down there? Possibly. Do they like Roger McCreary from Auburn? He'd be available, I think, is sitting there where, where they're drafting. But as you pointed out, if you want an elite one, I think you got to get up there in the top 10 to, to ensure it, and maybe in the top seven, because those corners could come off the board pretty quickly. I think so, too. Charles Davis with us here on the Pandemonium Podcast, Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm Mike Lindsley, NFL on CBS, terrific color analyst, alongside Ian Eagle. What, what have you learned from Ian through your broadcast time? Oh, boy, what haven't I learned? I mean, how much time do we have, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of where it all goes. He is a he's a he's a craftsman, and I say that with the biggest you know boost I can put into that. I say it with the most reverence I can. He is a person who prepares impeccably, and I know will put the has burned the midnight candles to do it because most time he's doing multiple things when I'm working with him, Mike. He's coming off a basketball game. He's preparing for one. He's going here. He's got the net string. I mean, he's got a million things going on, and never once would you ever think to yourself the preparation's not there. The preparation is always extraordinary. I fight. My, I find myself fighting hard to make sure I'm as prepared as he is. You know, his his wordsmithing of a game, the way that he can paint a picture on a medium that we can see the pictures. Yeah, he illuminates things that we see with our own eyes because, you know, the whole thing about being a play-by-play person on radio, you have to paint a bigger picture. On TV, you can be more sparing. Well, he does that quite well, but the way that he he paints a picture that you're looking at something and now you're seeing it the way that he's described it rather than just what you're looking at with your own eyes. That's how good he is. So there's not anything, you know, as I said before, what haven't I learned? (laughs) I mean, it's everything. Plus, one of the best people you will meet one of the smartest people you will meet, an empathetic, caring individual who wants to be great and wants you to be great and is going to set the pace and should be the example for the rest of your crew. If we follow him, we all have a chance to be the best that we can be. Now, however that's judged, right, whoever decides if we're good, bad, or indifferent, but he's going to set the pace and be the model, and I really appreciate him being that guy. You know, it's like Dead Poet Society. Captain, my captain. I'm the one standing on the desk screaming, Captain, my captain, with Iron Eagle. I've got two more for you. Um, who do you blame the most for 13 seconds in Kansas City? Oh, boy. Well, look, you have to go over these situations ahead of time. So blame isn't quite where I'm going with this. I think that they have, you know, everyone's got a plan. To me, it was much more the execution because I'm sitting at home, and it's real easy when you're sitting at home, right? You're not right in the middle of it. But to me, I've got to get that clock started, okay? I'm not just, you know, I don't want them to just be able to take it and go. So I've got to put this thing in play, but I want to put it in play in a dead area. 
or someone's got to go get it, and then you have a chance for a little bit of a scramble. You know, that's where the pooch kicking, putting it in play that way comes into it. Once you kick it out and just put them into play at their, at their own, you know, whatever, it's, it's almost a sigh of relief for them. So, so that's where I thought that was a, that was an issue. I also thought that throughout, not even the 13 seconds, I was really surprised down the stretch how easy Travis Kelsey got off the line of scrimmage, Mike. Yep. Like, everything was a free release. And I was thinking, I'd have to have someone over him, right? At least alter his something, because he was just going downfield full steam. And then when they finally made the adjustment, you know what it was? It was on the last touchdown. Okay, because they adjusted with Matt Milano, who I thought had a Pro Bowl type season at linebacker, and he's a former safety, but it ended up being a one-on-one deal. And you know, as good as Matt Milano is, one-on-one with Travis Kelsey, you're not going to win that very often, especially with Mahomes with a chance to put it where he wants to. And that's what happened. So, to me, it all started with that ball not being in play and no timing coming off the clock. Yeah, I mean, to play outside of the boundaries and almost look like you're playing a prevent defense. And using the excuse of, well, you know, the execution or, uh, well, the Bills rely on their safeties. Well, no, you have to come up a little bit here. You can't give Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey that much room to to catch it and run up the field. And, oh, by the way, you have two timeouts. I mean, that's where it always gets very difficult because... You're saying to yourself, okay, this situation, this situation, this situation, do we have this covered? Do we have that covered? And theirs just wasn't one that, that worked. Now, against most teams, you probably get away with it. And what I mean by that is how many teams have Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, et cetera, they're going to make you pay? Sure. Very few. We know that. But that's one of the teams that if it's, if they going to make you pay, you know it's them. But for me, it all started with the kickoff. And then, of course, all the other things come into play from there. And, and let's face it, Mike, when you lose a ball game, you get second, third, fourth, eighth guest on everything. Just like when I'm watching a game and I do it, I go to the plane and I'm second, third, fourth, and eighth guessing myself about what I said or didn't say down the stretch. So, yeah, I know how they feel, and I felt for them on that one because the game itself, if you had no skin in the game, has there been a better game in the NFL in the last 20 years? Probably not. It was unbelievable, but uh, yeah, and Bills. Fa- I, I'm not over it. I can tell you that right now. As a, as a, as a, as a long time, uh, you know, Bills diehard. My final question for you, Charles, is this: How would you, with your experience doing Bills games, being around the franchise, being around the fan base, you know, driving in, seeing those campers that have been there for days before even you show up, right? How would you? How would you describe Bills Mafia? I describe it as one of the one of the most overused words that we, we have in our language in my estimation is unique. Because just by saying the word unique, you're supposed to connote that 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 you won't find that anywhere else. Or it's a rare, rare thing. Well, it is unique because when you look at where you're situated in the country, what your weather's like that is not conducive to people saying, I'm going to go out there and stand there and scream and yell for all these hours because I love a team. It's conducive to everybody staying at home watching on TV and, and hoping everything's good, but people aren't built that way. They are much more of a hale and hearty stock. I grew up in the state of New York, but I grew up closer to New York City than I am to Buffalo. So the weather's a little bit different. 
Buffalo weather is a whole different ball game. <laughs> and how they stick with their team, and if that team gives them the honest effort that these people put out day in and day out, they appreciate that, and that binds them together. And if you're going to be a successful Buffalo team, you have to have teams that can do that. And even when they went to the four straight Super Bowls, they had a lot of flash and dash on offense. Mm-hmm. But they also ran the heck out of it with Thurman Thomas. They beat people up up front on the offensive line, and they had a bruising defense. That's appreciated in Buffalo. So you have to be, have that, you know, when I say unique, it's unique because it's not supposed to be that way, but it's a great combination of an organization understanding what it takes to win, but how it also plays with the people who support them. And if they wanted to play like the Chargers did in the 80s, that wouldn't work in Buffalo. You know, I forget the weather and all that. It's just people would like the winning, but it wouldn't bind them to the team. The team has to play a certain way for them to bind to the community. And I think Buffalo and their organization, the Pagulas, um, you know, obviously Brandon Bean, John McDermott, they understand that as well and get it. Charles Davis, unbelievable to have you on the program. Of course, NFL on CBS, a terrific color analyst. Right next to my guy, Ian Eagle. Uh, This was amazing. Continued success your way. I can't get enough of listening and watching to you guys as a team. Uh, I'm glued in every second. So uh, football can't come fast enough for me, and you guys on the air can't come fast enough as well. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for having me. And you, you know how much we enjoy what we're doing and doing it together. And there's not an announcer in the NFL that doesn't like going to Buffalo. I don't care what the well, look. Look what we did at the playoff game. We knew it was going to be cold. I didn't hear anyone complain. We're like, wow, this is going to be in a crazy atmosphere. And it was exactly that. You get it every time. Incredible insight from Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. I just wanted to spend a few minutes in closing here on the Pandemonium podcast about my new thought on the Buffalo Sabres. And that is that I think next year, because of what they've done in the months of March and in April, I think that next year now is... I'm not going to say playoff or bust, but I think the expectation is to make the postseason because I think what we've seen over the course of about two months here is a team that has risen to the occasion on the big stage. They've beaten some of the NHL's best. They've shut down power offenses in the NHL. The group is coming together. You see the youth. You see the culture. You see the group pulling for for each other. You see more of a team bond. All those things that are going into play here, um, you know, it, it, it's a big thing. I mean, think about this. You know, they beat the Maple Leafs Heritage Classic. That was a big stage game. That's an outdoor NHL game. That's a huge deal. You know, if, if you go back all the way to March when they had that unbelievable month, you know, they beat Toronto. They beat the Wild. Those are both playoff teams, you know. Um, they, they again, I mentioned the Heritage Classic, won 5-2, dominated. Uh, they beat Calgary in OT on the 18th, right? Uh, how about that? Oh, how did I skip over this? How about March 10th, right? Vegas, Eichel, beat them, right? Um, Buffalo beats the Penguins in in a shootout, right? Uh, Buffalo almost beats the Capitals in a shootout two days later, you know? Uh, Buffalo should have beaten the Rangers at the Garden um, on the 27th. They still get a point out of it. They lose an OT, right? Then they come back the next night, tough travel. They go beat Chicago. Now, Chicago's not obviously an elite NHL team, but under the circumstances, that's that's a tough deal, right? Um, you know, and then you fast forward through, through April and this team, again, they beat Nashville, they beat uh, Carolina, you know, this is a team that really has played extremely well. Uh, we've got just, 
gosh, as you're listening to this, we have four games to go. I can't wait to go to the final game uh, in Buffalo. I'm finally going to get out and see this club uh, play up against the Blackhawks. Uh, final call and all that for uh, Rick Jenneret. So it should be a really, really emotional, great place to be. Um, but this team, with the expectations, I think before March and April, being, yeah, you know, maybe this is a playoff team in two years, right? We still need a little bit more time for this team to develop. Do we? I mean, I don't, I don't think we need more time. I've seen enough. I've seen enough to know that Dylan Cousins at 24 years old is going to be bigger, stronger, faster next year, right? And better. Uh, I've seen enough out of Peyton Krebs as a, just a wonderful, wonderful uh, player. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Dylan Cousins is 21. <laughs> you know, Peyton Krebs, I've seen enough. I mean, he's he's incredibly skilled. He came over in the Jack Eichel deal, right? He's 21 years old or so, right? Casey Middlestat, totally different player under Don Granado, who, by the way, just he should be the coach of this team as long as he wants the job because he has instilled sort of a lot of what McDermott and Bean did for the Bills. Um, you know, he's getting these guys to buy in. He's getting these guys to believe in each other. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic for this franchise, uh, and, and I want him to keep keep going. I mean, you know, l- just look at some of the players who were under Ralph Kruger, right? Like, Ralph Kruger is the ultimate communicator. Well, <laughs> great. He was a great people person, but did he know hockey skills along with those people skills? No, he didn't. And Don Granado does. He's got the one-two punch. Look at how different Casey Middlestat is under Don Granado. How about Jeff Skinner, right? Putting him in the best possible places. You have Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck on the same line, kicking butt each and every night. Kyle Oposo, 20-goal season this year. Come on, man. Vinny uh, Hinestroza has had a great year. Jergensen's has been phenomenal. The defense this year has been – the defense has stunned me. They've been great. Look at Rasmus Dahlin now that Don Granado's head coach, right? Pretty good. Pretty good, right? I mean, he's, what, 60-point season? Um, you know, you've got Matias Samuelson rising. You have Owen Power now who has arrived from Michigan. He'll have a full season next year. And you see glimpses of him playing against – the Maple Leafs and others, where he's just doing some of the small things. He'll do great things eventually, but just some of the small things, the little tips, you know, guarding the two-on-ones, um, you know, helping to stop Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs. I mean, come on. That's that's impressive stuff. You know, Owen Power, by the way, was born in 2002. He's not turning 20 years old until November. Um, you know, Jacob Bryson, very, very nice bright spot. Now, I will say, in closing, that the one thing that the Sabres really do need to figure out is the goaltending situation. Because, you know, whether it's Devin Levi who's going back to Northeastern, Portillo, the kid from Michigan, um, is it Uka Pekalukanen, who I, I love his game. He was playing great this year before he went down. Um, they got to figure out a couple of guys. They need a goaltender who they can count on for 60 games. Craig Anderson, I give him a lot of credit this year, but he's 41. I mean, he's not going to be your goalie of the future. Dustin Tokarski is a nice player. But again, he's 32 years old. You're kind of looking at it going, you know, probably not, you know, probably not the franchise number one. He might be a, a nice backup. Um, maybe the, the Sabres try to keep him on the roster. But they've got to figure out that franchise goaltender to go along with all these other guys. Because right now, with Samuelson, Yoki Haro, Rasmus Dahlin, Casey Fitzgerald, Jacob Bryson, right, all these guys on defense, 
And then you take the offensive players in Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner. Hopefully Victor Olsen stays. I know that there's been some trade talk lately of that, but I, I hope that he there is a spot for him. Um, you know, you've got Peyton Krebs, you've got Middlestat, you've got Jergensens, you have Dylan Cousins, you have Rasmus Esplin, uh, you have Jack Quinn on the way. I'm telling you, man, with everything that's happened, the March and April performance, Don Granado, the culture, these guys coming and playing together, lines taking form, uh, um, the belief in each other, beating good teams, uh, just a different vibe around the team. Next year is playoffs for the Buffalo Sabres. That's the expectation, absolutely, from the Sabre fan base to make the postseason for the first time since 2011. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast, all a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm Mike Lindsley. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. Make sure to go follow us all over social media, at Built in Buffalo underscore. A huge thanks to Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, the amazing color analyst, alongside Ian Eagle. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games. Enjoy the games.